Hello again and welcome to the fourth episode of Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Podcast. My name's David and uh, I'm on a mission here to uh, talk about all kinds of different things, all post-concussion, concussion, traumatic brain injury related. So today we'd like to take a look and explore not just the microbiome, and for those people that don't know, I'll explain a little bit more in a second, or you're not familiar with the term. Uh, gut health, really, and something that a lot of people with post-concussion syndrome will have, or will develop at some time, if they haven't already, which is a chronic illness called fibromyalgia. And also would debate the term illness or against pro vis-a-vis disability. Uh, Certain countries in Europe, such as Spain and others, have now reclassified fibromyalgia as a disability. Yet in other countries, it's still seen as something that's only just emerging, as being accepted as real. So again, yeah, we're getting into grey territories, (laughs) especially in the UK and, and to some extent in the USA, although it's probably better in the USA. So... The microbiome, what is it? What does it do? Well, um, it's really the microbiome uh, is trillions and trillions of cells. Uh, There's uh, a range in the microbiota, as it's also called as well. So it's a difference uh, between everything that lives in your gut that's there to kind of help your body function, really. So both inside and out, uh, the body has a a huge number, a huge array of microorganisms. Uh, Bacteria are the biggest ones, uh, biggest part in that. There's also um, single-celled organisms known as archaea, as well as fungi viruses and other microbes, including viruses as well that attack bacteria. Together they're uh, called the human microbiota and your body's microbiome is all your genes, all your microbiota that it contains and both terms are used as well, I guess. Uh, So the links with fibromyalgia are probably a lot clearer than somebody recovering from post-concussion syndrome. There's theories that fibromyalgia starts in different ways. And in fact, there are five, I think five key triggers for fibromyalgia, which won't actually begin the illness, but they'll, uh, in my opinion, worsen it or, or actually bring it out in stages. So sometimes a person can live with it almost dormant for many years as I I did, thinking back to being a child, I had uh, you know constant gut problems, but I didn't have fully blown fibromyalgia. And then when you encounter uh, something, some trauma, some tragedy, or a virus in your life, or it could be something like grief or an accident or you know loss of a loved one, then the stress can trigger it in stages. I, I kind of think it comes on usually in two or three stages, but of course if people may be different and it depends on what you've gone through. For me personally, when if I go back to 2006 and accidents and then being ill, losing my job and home and everything, I, I had a number of triggers one after the other so that the stress of being, you know, kind of like behind with mortgage payments and knowing that I was going to lose my house and knowing that my job was probably going to be get get the chop any minute and other things as well. And then, you know, uh, a couple of friends dying. So, yeah, there were just various triggers. And then before I knew it, I was just absolutely wiped out and, and the thing had come on full blown and I was just sapped of all energy and just wanted to sleep all the time. So the triggers, yeah. The one trigger is said to be a virus for fibromyalgia. So some type of virus that invades a microbiome and, and kind of camps in there. And, and so it may be something, um, like I think with, with me, uh, I'd been to India and Brazil um, 
back in the early 2090s and contracted, a, I think, a, a virus each time, either from the food or the water, I don't know. And I think that might have been the start of something. So that was a minor trigger, uh, after which it was never the same again. So a virus can be the first trigger. A trauma, so either head injury, for instance, is a really common one to trigger fibromyalgia or some other type of trauma, an accident, a car accident or a fall or something that's really, you know, shook you up physically. Uh, grief is a major one. So grief, again, can relate to uh, post-concussion syndrome because also, the, you know, obviously there's a grief of losing a loved one or somebody really close to you. But then there's a grief and the grieving process, which we talk about post-concussion, which is usually within starts within the first year or so of post-concussion or prolonged post-concussion or persistent post-concussion syndrome. Then you've got external conditions and stress, which can also bring on uh, fibromyalgia as well. So a stressful job, a stressful lifestyle, too many, well, poor diet, too many, um, too much overindulgence in various things that can all add up to like, oxidative stress that, that can bring on. Uh, and at first it can seem almost, almost like an autoimmune uh, illness, can fibromyalgia, but it's not in fact. But it will, as it affects your biome, your microbiome, it will knock your immune system down and down and down. So you'll keep picking up little colds and viruses and bugs and things as well. And it'll just seem never-ending. Um, th there's theories about other uh, causes, and like a fifth trigger or a fifth cause uh, can also be abuse in childhood, either physical, mental, emotional, psychological, or even sexual abuse, unfortunately. These are things which uh, it's said in recent studies that uh, violence against a child or abuse to a child of any sort can actually sensitize the brain and nervous system so highly if it's in those formative early years, say the first you know, 10 years of a child's life, it can sensitize the brain so much and the nervous system so much that it, it can set the scene almost for fibromyalgia later in life or even you know, children and teenagers do get, sadly do get fibromyalgia as well. Uh, so the brain's responses and the nervous system's responses to any type of pain following that those first few years will be so over overworked and the, the response will be, you know, kind of like too big, you know, the response will be too, too much for what's actually happening. So any tiny little pain trigger then brings on the pain that fibromyalgia sufferers know is very, very real. Even though you can't see it and you can't kind of always locate just one spot on the body. Uh, I mean, it could be in numerous places at once. You've got your, your tender points, your tender spots. A, a rheumatologist will test in order to diagnose, as partial diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Uh, though there is a blood test on the way, one that's been developed and yet like everything else we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for it so there are markers in the blood with fibromyalgia that can be detected there are tests at the moment but they're very expensive you're talking four or five hundred pounds or you know six seven hundred dollars or more just for the test um, and hence why you need a rheumatologist just to go through certain questions and and things um, these days to to diagnose fibromyalgia and even then it can just be a possible diagnosis so if any of you listening with post-concussion syndrome and you've had fibromyalgia or you've got it should I say you have it <laughs> or you think that you may have it then it's kind of like a double whammy when you get those two together I think a lot of the symptoms are very similar and a lot of the symptoms cross over so it does make it truly, truly difficult. Uh, again, I keep relating back to my own personal story, but when I went back to about 2008 and 2009, when, when the, all the stress and the trauma and things started to bring out 
my fibromyalgia fully, I, I think about that time and it, it was just really, really heavy to deal with. It was, it was, all the symptoms would just kind of like be there. If you can imagine like crowded in the the room at the back, you'd have the anxiety, you'd have, you know, low mood or depression, you'd have extreme fatigue, you'd have pain all over, you'd be aching, uh, you feel like you have flu, you just want to sleep, uh, and just so many other, the brain fog, brain fog, excuse me, which is just like, to me, the brain fog felt like am the amnesia, the like the post-traumatic amnesia that we get with post-concussion syndrome, uh, which I'm going to talk about later. And it, it could, it would be like, what's my name? Where am I? What am I doing? What was I doing five seconds ago? I really can't remember. Um, and you'd just be completely blank, absolute blankety blank. And for a while, it was pretty scary. And I'm sure, as you know, if you've had brain fog like that, it's frustrating. And, you know, it's upsetting as well to start with. After a while, I learned to be able to kind of like, you know, laugh at the situation a bit as well, you know, just to help myself as, as much as to help other people. Because you can be in the middle of doing something or talking about something and then whoosh, all of a sudden this, this fog just descends and you're like, what what, what, what am I doing again? <laughs> and so, yeah, you, you, the only way to really survive that is develop a sense of humour about it and try and coach yourself to learn to be, uh, yeah, a little bit more, more and more accepting all the time that the fact that it just happens and that there's, you know, there's nothing I can do about it just kind of recede and, and relax, sit back and breathe until, you know, your thoughts start to come back to you. So back to the microbiome and the gut. Well, what happens when you have a brain injury? What's the first thing to happen is obviously you get that with a mild traumatic brain injury, you get these axonal shearing and, and like distension of cells in certain areas of the brain. Anything that goes into communication through the central nervous system down the spine goes to the gut. So it's like your gut and your microbiome are like two other brains on their own. Uh, there's also studies uh, being done in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, on uh, the fact that your heart has neurons in it. You've also got neurons in your gut and gliali. So in effect, yeah, you, you've got at least four brains. <laughs> and this is something like years and years ago, you know, you'd hear people talking about, oh, follow your heart, you know, you, I trust your gut feeling. And, you know, the, you know, the hippies used to say, you know, you, you know, your heart's got a mind of its own. And it turns out that it actually has the amazing thing. So uh, the microbiome is a great part of that, a big part of that. Uh, I always kind of think that, well, if your conscious mind is here in your brain, in your head, your two brains, your left and right brain, um, then you've got, like your subconscious mind, is down in your microbiome, in your gut, and your subconscious urges, subconscious thoughts and things, you know, they, they kind of bubble up quite slowly and they come up and sometimes you may just be angry or sad for no reason. And it's usually things that are coming from there. So it's like... Uh, where 60% of your immune system is or more, which is in, in your gut and your microbiome as well. Uh, you know, it can make its own serotonin, in fact. So it's quite a, a complex system that um, biologists um, are only just starting to understand now. So there's uh, a lot of activity there. Now, when you've had a head injury, you can start to see the microbiome going out of balance. Uh, you'll start to feel different. You'll start to feel like your body some days is under attack. Um, you know, pet headaches, pains, neck pains, all kinds of things. Uh, random and, and then like anxiety, feelings of dizziness, brain fog. And all of these can be related to the microbiome. All of them. So you start to get this imbalance and then other, other things suffer as well. And the same with fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia seems to be a permanent change for the worse in this microbiome and in your gut health and often most people with fibromyalgia will have some kind of irritable bowel 
gut problems, problems with certain types of food, food intolerances that will kind of get worse over time. And then you'll get maybe intolerances to certain drugs and medications and uh, even chemical substances and, and normal household chemical substances. Um, so, yeah, it gets to the point where, you know, your, your gut's kind of more and more under attack or it feels that it is. Um, I get something called histamine intolerance and then eating any food that's that's rich in histamines or that produces histamines like tuna fish or, um, you know, red wine does. Um, I think strawberries is a, another mast cell histamine releaser, uh, liberator. And uh, if I eat something like that, oof, painful, you know, sore throat, um, itching, skin, uh, vicious headaches, uh, acid reflux, uh, just feeling of dizziness. Uh, it can cause all sorts. So your microbiome's out of sync and histamines are obviously there in your body to uh, ward off, uh, you know, anything that, the body sees uh, as like a, a contaminant, you know, so like uh, anything that, that shouldn't be there. So histamine is a natural release to, to kind of, you know, fight it off. But when things go wrong, your body's just releasing histamines or, or other cells at random, you know, for, for any t anything you eat. So it constantly thinks it's under attack. And so that, that kind of ties back into a similar theme with fibromyalgia, with pain. Anytime there's a slight pain stimulus, or even if you see somebody in pain, or, or you see somebody on TV that's you know that's, that's you know where they're where they're in pain, it can actually trigger a response for somebody with fibromyalgia, and it tends to make you have a great aversion to violence or any kind of pain as well. So yeah, your body breaking down breaking down all these signals and things out from outside, and then almost kind of making the wrong response. It's like taking uh, a sledgehammer to crack a walnut, for instance. You know, you're not only going to crack the shell of the nut, you're going to destroy the thing, you're going to, you know, just pulverise it. So, in a sense, with PCS2, uh, we have similar uh, emotional responses, what's called emotional lability. So, you might end up being very sad, very down, or like even crying for almost no reason. It could be some tiny little trigger, something that's significant to you or your brain, and um, other people might just like not even notice it. And next thing you know, you could be, you know, in floods of tears, or you could be laughing controllably at something which probably isn't even funny to most people. Um, or, you know, so it, it can be one of the toughest symptoms as well, uh, psychologically. So there's a lot of careful, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of careful links between each uh, a PCS and fibromyalgia. And we, when we study this and we look at how to try and reverse and heal some of that um, damage to the microbiome, then you've got to look at food and diet primarily. And it's the same whether you have fibromyalgia, PCS, or whether you have cancer or mass inflammation or ME, CFS, anything like that. Any chronic illness is usually down to inflammation. Inflammation generally always begins in the gut and the microbiome. And that's usually an invasion of, of cells and things that shouldn't be there or that are aggravating matters as well. So your food... Uh, look at what you're putting in your body, what you're eating. Are you still drinking, you know, caffeine every day? Are you drinking, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight cups of coffee or tea? Uh, you know, normal tea, black tea that is. Are you drinking any kind of soft drinks? As we know these days, uh, here in the UK, we've got the sugar tax thing. And it's like, oh yeah, for everybody to cut down on sugar, the government said. But what we found is the sugar-free drinks are probably even unhealthier and probably even more dangerous. We know that sugar feeds um, rogue cells and, and it feeds uh, stem cells that can become cancerous cells. 
but also in the sugar-free drinks are full of like sucralose, which has got, I think, two or three chlorine mo molecules. That's chlorine. That's the a, that's a stuff that they use to clean out your swimming pool. So, yeah, you could effectively kind of use this Coca-Cola or Pepsi or, what, you know, Mountain Dew, whatever it is, to clean out a pool. Um, you know, you, you've seen what it what it does if you dip like dirty pennies in Coca Cola and you know, kind of take them out later. They're absolutely sparkling clean. Um, so I don't think soft drinks really should be on the agenda or on the menu too much. Fruit juice, well, yeah, that's good. But as with anything else, that also depends on how well your body, after suffering uh, head injury or fibromyalgia or both how well your body can handle uh, acidity. That's one thing that I always take a little bit of exception to. I see on the internet all these people preaching about, oh, you've got to eat so many fruits every morning and, you know, kind of every day and this, that and the other. But um, I can't. I can't eat fruit before kind of six, seven o'clock in the evening. Otherwise, I'm kind of crippled. It's very, very acidic to my body. Um, we each have a different level uh, of ability to process acid foods. In in our, you know, it's, it's unique to each of us. Some will have uh, weak, like myself, have weak acid processing in the morning and through the day. So my body can't really tolerate it. Otherwise, it'll make me really. Um, kind of bilious and, and um, a lot of heartburn and, and, you know, kind of in pain. But in the evening, I can tolerate some fruit, whereas other people um, won't be able to tolerate fruit in the evening. You know, if I drink fruit juice for breakfast, I, I'd be ill for hours, I think, you know, it kind of like do me in. But in the evening, I can drink it quite happily. So your acid-alkali balance has to come into uh, the equation as well. So I'm always... You know, always have that in mind when I see these people preaching about diet and food and, and what to eat and when to eat it. And, you know, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily the same for everyone. And I think maybe a lot of these people that are, so even some so-called professional nutritionists and things as well, they don't take that into account. Um, there's some very good books on uh, acid alkali diet. Um, that you should probably look at as well if, you, if you're concerned with your diet too. And those will help you understand better. But yeah, you know, eating fruit and things in the morning isn't for everybody, uh, no matter who tells you. If, 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 you, if you eat something and you're then thinking, oh, I don't feel well or I feel terrible or I've got raging heartburn or, you know, my skin's itching at a certain time of day, then it's probably good to avoid you can make a list of, what I do is have three lists, like three sheets of paper, one for morning, one for afternoon, one for evening. I don't really eat much in the morning or afternoon generally, uh, but only one main meal in the evening. But you can have three sheets, one for morning, one for afternoon, one for evening, and just write things on there that maybe don't agree with you so you know what to avoid. Um, and that, that's probably easier than listing everything that you can eat because then you might need a few sheets uh, depending on uh, how, how broad your tastes are. So yeah, bear in mind acid alkali, acid tolerance to acidic foods. So yeah, getting back to fibromyalgia and the microbiome, uh, what do you need to do to start to put it right? Well, there's a lot of talk about probiotics and uh, those can be very good. I don't think anything you can get from the supermarket is ever really going to be much good. Um, I think that fad started a few years ago, the little yoghurt drinks. They may have a few you know, cultures in it, a few million or whatever, but I think those are probably for people who are not just reasonably healthy anyway. And, you know, they're not too strong because it's just there to top up uh, the good gut flora and things as well. Now, if you have a long-term problem with your gut, fibromyalgia, even from PCS or any other illness, you may well want to consider taking a good probiotic. Uh, even with a prebiotic, which is the food for the, the probiotic in your gut. Um, the one I use, or I've been using, is 50 billion CFU. That's uh, like floral units of uh, bacteria, of, of good bacteria. Um, 
and they come with different strains. I'll use one that's at least six strains, different strains of probiotic, preferably 10 or 11, ideally. So you've got a broader range as possible. Um, you will see some that have only got like one, two or three strains in, but I think uh, it's probably better to have more in there. Um, and it, it generally feels better. So you can help to maintain good gut health with probiotic. Uh, but science is only really discovering now that the microbiome could be the answer to a lot of chronic problems, chronic inflammation, even cancer uh, and other uh, illnesses, even autism, ME, fibromyalgia, other things, all could be linked to gut health and the microbiome health. Uh, and that leads us back to GCMAF, uh, the glycoprotein-derived macrophage-activating factors. And that's, a, you know, the stuff in that's already in your body that's involved in vitamin D binding production. And it uh, activates macrophages. Macrophages in the gut is what kills off the bad cells or the potential cells which are, are turning into cancer. Your body produces hundreds of, even thousands of cancer cells per day, even in a healthy person. And those macrophages are responsible for eating them up and kind of, you know, spitting them out and getting rid of them. It's only when you, you get so far out of balance and so far inflamed that those cancer cells can start to get off on their own and, and kind of take root somewhere. Um, and, and that's when, you, you know, you really need to look at the gut health all over again. So GC math is, yeah, it's not known about. You might hear me mention it as well. Um, it seems to be a really, really uh, effective and powerful uh, tool for healing a gut that's out of alignment. Leaky gut syndrome, uh, IBS, and all the other illnesses and, and diseases that I mentioned. And it's generally about, four, I think, 42 different strains. GCMAF is one of the strains. And it can be made into a yogurt culture with colostrum, which is uh, like powdered um, mother's cow's mother's milk or goat's milk. And obviously with a raw milk or, or maybe just organic full-fat milk. And when that's mixed together into live culture yogurt, it takes about 48 hours. Uh, and then you take it twice a day. Or it's available in other, other forms as well, like a, a fruit drink um, or a capsule. But there's so many positive, good reports of people using this um, and recovering, um, even treating children who have autism and uh, getting results within weeks and months um, rather than years. So... One thing to consider, one thing to study, one thing to look up. Don't just look at what Google says. Don't just look at what cancer research or, or the, the normal mainstream media outlets say because they don't want people to discover GC math. They're just poo-pooing it and saying, oh, it's, there's no evidence, there's no uh, you know, scientific research. Well, actually there are. There's about 1,300 scientific papers on it. Um, it's just that, it, it, that people are trying to suppress it. Drug companies are trying to suppress it because it's a natural substance and can't be patented. And so you don't want to upset the chemotherapy market or the uh, drug market, um, which, you know, was something that GCMAF would cost like three or $400 a month or, or less, even less than that. Uh, you know, if you make your own, it could be $150 a month. They don't want that to replace what they're selling so unfortunately the law is on the side of the drug companies as well so yeah have a look into GCMAF spelled uh, uh, G-C-M-A-F I think it's large G small C large M large A large F and uh, yeah look up maybe have a look on YouTube Antonio Ruggiero um, it's something which can really help not just with uh, your chronic illness, but with your overall health. Um, so I'm, I'm hopefully going to get a course fairly soon and start making that within the next week or two. So I'm going to keep you updated uh, because after the last few months, I've been through a little bit of a relapse uh, fatigue-wise and things due to various things going on in my life. So I want to see how effective this is. 
obviously I'm not asking you to believe me. Uh, just do your own research, look up the thing yourself and see what you can find and see what people, I think the groups on Facebook as well that, that will show you and, and teach you how to make your own GCMAF uh, yogurt. So it's, it's easy enough to do. Uh, it looks easy enough to do. Um, so, you know, pretty much anybody could do it. All you need to do then is get hold of the uh, the probiotic strains and the colostrum and off you go. Um, I don't think, if you are lactose intolerant, by the way, there is a fruit alternative, a fruit drink alternative or a capsule form. So don't worry if you are, um, there's a way around it. So fibromyalgia, I want to hear from any of you as well. Um, I got a couple of messages last night and one of those um, gentlemen uh, had has both fibromyalgia and I think he's had something like 10 concussions. And he's from, uh, he's living in France at the moment, but he's a, a, a Brit. And he's asking about what I knew, what we knew, in the links between the two illnesses. Because he's got two or three friends that he's made on this journey over the last few years that all have PCS and fibromyalgia. And so it seems that there's a really close link between the two. Um, it's not just something that, that that's coincidental. And this chap was saying as well that uh, he's tried various different things. Uh, he's tried, I think he's tried Simpson oil, that's cannabis oil, CBD. Uh, and he said that helped with some things, with his sleep, uh, with his pain. But he, it was too expensive and he couldn't get any more. Uh, so then he, he's tried different therapies and things, magnetic therapy and stuff, and had kind of like results for a while, uh, but nothing that he could maintain. So I, I had uh, yeah a brief email chat with him about uh, GCMAF and other things, and uh, I think he's probably going to uh, stay in touch. Uh, but he he was saying as well that although he felt his PCS could was. Uh, improving at times and getting better then as it did the fibromyalgia came in and just knocked him sideways and every now and then it'd be like you know you'd just be kind of managing uh, and he, I think he's got his own business uh, in France he'd be managing and his, his wife would help him manage and his kids but all of a sudden he'd be like bang you know he'd just come along and swipe him sideways and he'd be like in his own words down in the gutter again so yeah it, it's not something uh, that's talked about a lot as well in this country. Is coping once things kind of swipe you sideways. This gent's very lucky to have his wife and his children helping him with his business. And it's been supportive of him, although it is rough times for him, he was saying. Uh, but for others, uh, you know, if you're single, or, you know, you don't have family that are supportive or you don't have any family at all to support you, or or friends who understand, then, you know, you, you're you in survival mode. It's like a survival course, day to day, week to week. Um, it really is, because you if you can't work, you can't work full time. You might be able to work a little bit part time or here and there, but then you have to survive if you haven't got any savings, if you haven't got uh, you know, like a home of your own, a cat, you know, all the... The, the normal stuff that people take for granted, then you're going to be living off handouts, unfortunately. You're going to be living off the state or, or you know, kind of claiming sickness benefit or, or whatever, ESA. And in that case, you, you, you know, you, you're really, really surviving day to day, week to week. So those are also types of people who want to hear from as well. So if you are listening and you are in a similar situation in the UK or in the USA on disability benefits, then please get in touch. We'd love to hear your story as well. So, links with fibromyalgia. What things help? Both conditions. Well, again, you've got your flavonoids, reversatrol, um, and other things, Novosol curcumin. I can't think of them all at the moment. Um, but one thing that's particularly good, supposed to be really good uh, for the fibromyalgia, is uh, guafenicin. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, Guafenicin usually is only available from the United States of America um, in tablet form, or they put it in a, a, a cough medicine, liquid medicine as well. 
Now, Grafenison is um, that rang a bell with me because I know from my uh, work with oils and tree oils, oleoresins, that that comes from the, the guac wood tree, uh, which grows in Ecuador, Par- Paraguay, Brazil, and is closely related in the same genus or species of tree to uh, the tree that gives us Palo Santo, um, Graviolus berceus. So these two trees are also in the same group of family of trees as frankincense. Now there's no surprise there that your frankincense is one of the you know the most healing trees on the planet. Uh, but then there's this other little group, Palisanto. You've got the guac wood, and also Capiba, which uh, I mentioned before as well. So I think tree medicine is absolutely amazing and we still don't even know, we only still know a fraction or a third uh, about what there is to know about trees and and what they offer us chemically in terms of phytochemicals. So the the guafenison is is synthesised from guac wood. Now when I first got a bottle of guac wood from India uh, ages ago, uh, it goes, all the oils are mixed in India. Uh, and they're kind of like uh, distilled and things there. So even though the oil comes from South America, it goes to India first. Order this bottle. It comes in an aluminium bottle. So it's, it's solid, this uh, guacwood oil. You have to boil it up to about, I think, 180, 118 degrees Celsius for it to uh, liquefy. And it's quite a thick oil, but it's usually quite clear to light yellow. And this stuff is wonderful for fibromyalgia. Absolutely amazing. Uh, again, it's one that some people will be able to tolerate directly onto the skin, although it is quite sticky. So it's usually good to mix it with a carrier oil. Uh, I tend to prefer the carrier oils which are from the same region, so like Cajay, uh, spelled C-A-C-A-Y, which comes from Colombia, it's a fruit tree, or maybe Andiroba, Andiroba's from Brazil, uh, very good for the skin. Uh, or acai berry as well, very good. So if you mix that with the guac wood, it can be used as an expectorant as well uh, for the chest uh, and rounded chest and throat. So if you know with fibro you have a lot of mucus, you have a lot of phlegm, you know, and, and you get very congested and you're often <coughs> you know, croaking and, and heaving and things as well, then just like with fenacin tablets, uh, the guac wood can be really, really useful and if you mix that in with some capybara as well, um, and if, if you want it to be more scented, you could use a little bit of Palo Santo oil, just one or two drops. Uh, and then you've got a really, really powerful healing combination. And also something that wards off cancer, skin cancer and, and uh, lung cancer and other things as well. And it's uh, recommended by several international rheumatic and arthritic uh, um organizations as well is a guac wood they really really recommend it to people that are suffering so if you know anybody else that has rheumatism or arthritis as well you can you know kind of do your own research and tell them about that too um many different things for fibromyalgia msm tablets organic sulfur really good for uh, general health skin hair nails but good for uh, reducing inflammation uh, and pain as well so if you're like me and you've, you've left opiate painkillers and things and tramadol, if you've left all that behind, then I start my day with two Novosol curcumin capsules and then usually a couple of MSM capsules just afterwards. Uh, and then, you know, when I wake up, usually about 5 a.m. Um, or earlier, if Arlo's here, my son, <laughs> um, wake up, have a couple of those and then use it within like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, my aching body starting to glow and it's like the warmth of the curcumin just like warms you up and makes you feel nice and rosy and, and relaxed. So yeah, there's many other things for fibromyalgia too, uh, not just the oils, um, but 5-HTP is a very good one when you get it in its, uh, its pure form. Uh, certain brands are better than others, so you may need to look around and I think the, the actual tablet form tends to work better than when you get it in a gel capsule. And the other things as well, um, fibromyalgia, 
one thing I'd really recommend if you can afford it, if you can do or get a deal off Groupon or somewhere, is go and see a chiropractor and at least get them to look at you, your neck and your spine and your back and everything else um, because that can actually contribute. That misalignment of the spine or what they call suboxulation can contribute to your fibrous symptoms being far, far worse. And the same with post-concussion syndrome. I know a lot of our uh, American members talk regularly in the groups about um, the chiropractic and you know having the necks and spines put, put back in place. And that's really good. Um, so that's something that everybody, I think, should go, at least go for a checkup at some point if they're experiencing like major widespread pain or, or particular nerve pain. Now, as fibromyalgia is a degenerative condition, and at the moment uh, there's, there's no one kind of like uh, silver bullet treatment to, to stop it or slow it down or anything, there's only a different set of lifestyle changes and things, generally like six or seven things you, you, you should and can do, uh, then you, you've really got to be on top of those. You've got to take care of your diet. Uh, you've got to have the right supplements and things which will work in the right order for you or which give you enough relief. Another thing is having moist heat at least twice a day. So whether that's a shower or a bath or, or, or something similar or applying moist heat to, to certain areas that you know are generally achy or affected. Um, allopathic medications will play a part in pain relief for a lot of people so it depends on your age and other conditions and how bad your fibromyalgia may be uh, as we each each are completely different stages of you know through the fibromyalgia journey and of course you've got to be wary of what you how you think what you put in your mind uh, you know so sound healing a massive part of that but also reducing uh, stress in your life and that, that can be a really tough one that can take time to work out. Uh, obviously, the, the longer you live with fibromyalgia, the less likely it is that you'll be able to live a fulfilling and active life work-wise as well. Um, you know, you may only be able to work or do work from home or you may only be able to do certain things that you, or you're good at. You possibly won't be able to do any kind of physical work or anything that involves long periods of standing or um, you know anything that's, that's physically stressful because the physical stress is probably just as bad as mental emotional stress to psychological stress so I think you can test yourself for so long and you can kind of put up with certain stress but you get to a point where you'll have what's called a flare as you know a flare-up and that flare-up could be, if you, if you catch it in time, you can maybe a day or two or three, you might be okay. But if you don't and you keep pushing yourself, then, you know, you could be out for a week or two <laughs> quite easily. Uh, I'm sure you've all all been there where, you, you know, you, you've pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And next thing you know, smack, you, you're in bed. Uh, I always say to people, because, uh, you know, I, I do still have a reasonably active life and uh, I can get out as much as I can, unless it's really, really bad. Uh, I always say to people when they ask about fibromyalgia and, and you say, oh, you look well, you look really well, you look fine, you know, you look great. You don't. I say, well, you only see me when I'm well. And I think that makes them stop and think. So it's a, maybe a good thing to have. A, a simple explanation for people, you know, uh, you don't see me when I'm, I'm kind of like crippled with pain, curled up in bed, or what, you know, when I can't move because my muscles are so stiff and uh, I'm in serious pain, or, my, or like my nerves in my back have flared up as well. Um, you don't see me then, and I wouldn't want you to see me then. You see me when I'm well, so, and then they think, they must think, go in and think, well, I haven't seen you for like three months or I haven't seen you for two months or whatever. And then, you know, that, that can kind of plant a seed of what a little bit of empathy of what it must be like. Uh, and of course there will be the other people that just never, ever get it. So you could, you know, you can tell them for years on end. Um, you know, think about some of my own family um, and, you know, even, even some of them have uh, like chronic illness and they, they don't get it. And in fact, they can be some of the most ruthless ones. They could be the ones with the least empathy. <laughs> and like, you know, they don't give a damn about the fact that you've got fibromyalgia. Um, they just kind of 
you know, treat you like it's your fault, like you're lazy or you're, you're, you're stupid or something. So anyway, it's probably best to avoid that kind of stress as well, I find. Uh, so what else can we tell you about fibromyalgia? Well, I want to leave it open from this point uh, because I've mentioned a few things, uh, but I want you to get in touch if you can uh, and uh, with whatever works for you. Because uh, there's, there's so many, if you look at fibromyalgia groups and you look at the internet, every week or every month there's a new, a new scientific study out which claims to have the key to fibromyalgia, the answer. And it's usually somebody trying to sell you something or get research money to you know, go further into. But I don't think I've, I've seen more than one or two or three ever that have been really close to the mark. And unlike a lot of illnesses and diseases, it isn't just one cause. It's multiple things that happen. And if you look at the history of fibromyalgia, it goes back hundreds of years. Not a lot of people know about this, but it does actually go back hundreds of years. And hundreds of years ago, in let's say the 16th, 17th, 18th century, uh, people would have been like put in an asylum or they would have been put in a, 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 you know, a, a home for the sick and trying to, you know, kind of discarded from society. Uh, look, look at it these days, we're a little bit more enlightened, enlightened but still uh, there is the very real potential that if you don't have family, support, a career, you don't have savings, you don't have all that, there is, in a sense, in a spiritual sense, you could be discarded by society, you could be kind of just left on the side. Um, and that, that does happen quite a bit, I think. And that's where community and sense of community comes together. And I just want to give a final mention now to uh, um, on face, Facebook, uh, Faulty Friends, Anne, and the w wonderful ladies and, and gents uh, that have been involved with that, with Paul as well. And they, they run a group locally uh, in, in Yorkshire where they live, uh, where they meet regularly. And it's not just people with fibromyalgia or you know, post-concussion syndrome, but there's, there's other conditions and a, a range of conditions which are all invisible, hidden disabilities, hidden illness. And I've, I've, uh, I've met them a couple of times and, and they're really, really, really lively, jolly, jolly folk, great to talk to. Um, lovely, beautiful people, uh, a lot of fun as well. But what they do is they've taken uh, that sense of isolation away by uh, forming these groups and, uh, you know, they're doing tremendous work there. So if, if you are in anywhere in the Yorkshire area, you know, have a look uh, Faulty Friends um, on Facebook and, uh, you know, get, get in touch with them if you want to do. Uh, they, they really are, yeah, have really had a lot of fun and um, they're, they're doing uh, something that's important within their own community, within their own area. Uh, I think if everybody started to do that uh, nationally, and even globally as well, then there'd be less isolation with people who have low social mobility, who have low uh, kind of self-esteem because of long-term chronic illness. And it's often where they can't get the help or the help from the healthcare services is, is inadequate or it's kind of too hard to access, which is generally the case due to, you know, kind of underfunding and things in this country. So that was a final word. I wanted to end, end on a positive note there. And uh, yeah, keep your messages coming in. And uh, there are probably going to be one or two more interviews coming up. I can't quite give you more details yet, but uh, hopefully, yeah, by this point, you probably get sick of just listening to me sat here talking to myself. Um, so yeah, we're going to uh, gonna progress that uh, very soon and have uh, yeah, other people join us uh, to discuss not just post-concussion syndrome, but you know, life and put life to rights in general and look up progressively about health and uh, how you can keep healthy, how you can use preventative medicine rather than just, you know, kind of uh, reactory medicine that we uh, have in the West. So thank you once again so much for listening and uh, again, get in touch with us on Facebook. It's the Post-Concussion Syndrome Awareness Worldwide Group. Um, you can get in touch with me or message me, uh, David Bottomley. You can find us on Twitter, uh, and the handle is at postconcussion. And also our blog with lots of information, articles, history, suggestions, all things to PCS is 
postconcussion syndrome awareness uk.wordpress.com. Okay, or just look at WordPress and look for postconcussion syndrome awareness and you'll find it. So thanks again and uh, bye for now and I'll speak to you soon. This is a very important disclaimer. In fact, it's not even a disclaimer. These are things that most sentient, intelligent, reasonable people actually know. And what am I talking about? In fact, in well, with the podcasts that we're making, you have to be responsible. Myself, my guests and my podcasts are not here to give you medical advice. We are not paid professionals. So, as society and the woke community, community dictates, we're here to say to you, any information which we put out in the podcast, anything we give to you, is not construed or considered in any legal way or fashion whatsoever as medical advice. Any reasonable person knows that. But you're always going to get one or two or maybe a few hundred people that really are just as dumb as A, B, C, X, Y, Z. So, please do not take anything we say as medical advice or any other way. Please do your own research, your own uh, just due diligence into whatever we say. And if you need, if you feel you need, if you really, because you could really trust yourself, feel you need the help, trust yourself to get in touch with your local practitioner, general practitioner, doctor, specialist, or whomever, or your psychiatrist, or whoever you're dealing with through post-concussion syndrome or any other health condition. And if I need to spell this out anymore, just be really considerate and kind to yourself. And don't Please don't accept what we're saying as any kind of medical or legal or personal advice. I don't know how many other ways to say it, but I'm sure those of you who are intelligent enough will realise that, yeah, we don't give that kind of advice. And if you did want that kind of advice, you'd probably pay somebody that was really good at it to give, give it to you in the first place. So don't worry about that. Uh, just enjoy the podcasts. And uh, this summit is 24 of them now, at least, and, and just, just really, really uh, have a, a wonderful time. And please get in touch if you need to. But don't worry about um, thinking that, you know, anything else. Just, just really, really enjoy what we're doing. And so much love and respect to you all. Thank you. <laughs>